It's time to count it down till week one. Let's get to it. Welcome to another edition of the Second and Gold Fantasy Podcast. Calvin, your host, here with you as always. And in today's show, after talking some news, I'll be discussing the best and worst fantasy values for fantasy football this season. Yep, that's right. The draft's over. Rookies in our review mirror, rear view mirror, but they're actually not in our rearview mirror because we'll still be talking about them throughout the summer and throughout the season. But the draft has ended, and now it's time to get ready to hop into summer training camps around the corner, and we are running it with these episodes coming up to prepare you for your fantasy draft. So first, of course, as we always do, we're starting off with the, I think, third annual best and worst fantasy values episode where I talk about the guys who at their current ADP are great values and the guys who at their current ADP are terrible values. It's always one of the most fun episodes of the year. I always like doing it right after the draft. Good transition into starting to make some big predictions for the upcoming year. Speaking of predictions, we'll bring back those bold take segments that we did last year with 10 of those. I'll certainly be doing 10 more this summer and we'll play them back on the podcast at the end of the season. It's going to be a lot of fun. So we got a lot to talk about today. Three pieces of news, best and worst fantasy values. Also an announcement for myself that I received my SFB 12 invite. So for those of you listening to the podcast, I was in SFB 11 last year. Um, It was a fun time. My team did all right. And I kept you guys updated throughout the season and we're back in SFB 12 this year. So very much appreciate Scott fish for inviting, uh, sending out that invite again. Um, And I'm ready to get started this summer. And yeah, they set up a great thing over there, Scott and Ryan, Scott Fishbowl, in case you don't know, thousands of teams, lots of money raised for charity, and it's really incredible, an incredible event for the fantasy football community. So I'm much appreciative that I received an invite again and that I'll get the chance to play with some of the best in the business. And so that's what we'll be doing this summer, but we got a lot of fantasy to talk about, and this will be part of the prep is doing these shows. So I'll continue getting out these shows. Sorry that this show got out a couple days late. I might consider actually just moving the permanent release date of these shows to like Wednesdays because it seems to be easier for my schedule pretty consistently. I'll keep you guys updated about that. Check the Twitter at SGF pod at Calvin underscore SGF as well. If you want to follow me over there and yeah, there's a lot going on this summer for sure. So it's May, May 10th when I'm recording this May 11th when this drops and it's time to talk some news. So three pieces of news. These are actually kind of old, but I didn't want to cover these like while we were talking rookies because I wanted to keep it rookie focused. AJ Brown has been traded from the Titans to the Eagles. Excuse me. Oh, geez. Um, Traded for first and a third round pick. Uh, He promptly signed a four year, $100 million extension with the Philadelphia Eagles. And the Titans got two picks, first and a third round pick, and promptly spent them on Traylon Burks and then trading up in the third round for Malik Willis. And so they drafted Traylon Burks as potentially the replacement for A.J. Brown, and we'll talk about him more later on the show. Teaser, teaser, teaser right there. And But the Eagles just picked up a premier wide receiver. And so this might hurt A.J. Brown's fantasy value just a little bit because we know Jalen Hurts doesn't have the most prolific like passing in terms of like how much he throws the ball. But honestly, 
it also could end up being fine. Because when you think about it, Derrick Henry got the ball a lot over there in Tennessee for the Titans. Ryan Tannehill didn't have a high volume percentage of throwing the ball either. You have to figure now that A.J. Brown's there, Jalen Hurts will be throwing the ball more. Sure, he runs it himself a lot too. But A.J. Brown will certainly get targets. I think he can be sustained at close to the level that he was in Tennessee. And I think he'll actually be fine. Maybe end up being a bit of a value, although we're not talking about him much on this show. So yeah, if you can get him as your back-end wide receiver one, which is where he's ranked right now as a back-end wide receiver one, that's pretty fantastic. Um, Ravens, they traded Marquise Brown in a third-round pick to the Cardinals for a first-rounder. Um, and the Ravens, I'm trying to remember who they picked up with that pick. Was it Tyler Linderbaum? I think it may have been. But um, the Cardinals, it's interesting. They got Hollywood. They got a third. And they also had the DeAndre Hopkins suspension. He's now suspended for six games. That gives a big hit to his fantasy value. And now Hollywood Brown is kind of an early season pickup that you should be targeting in fantasy football because he could be a guy that you can move on from maybe mid-season, maybe sell high if people are getting hyped. They'll have a lot of opportunity over there with Kyler Murray and the lack of like targets around him other than Marquise Brown. The Dolphins signed Sony Michelle. Fantastic. You know what's great? A backfield that has Raheem Mostert, Chase Edmonds, Miles Gaskin, and Sony Michelle. The most mediocre backfield of all time, except my favorite, Raheem Mostert. And, oh man, this is a fantasy player's nightmare. So we're going to have to figure out what to do, but I'll help you with that a little bit on this show as well. Best and worst fantasy values. Let's talk best first. Let's talk quarterback. And I like this quarterback pick because it's a popular one, but the rankings don't necessarily show it. Trey Lance sitting at quarterback 14 is a fantasy football value. Despite him not having really seen very many snaps in his first year, he can run the ball extremely effectively. He is fantastic for the 49ers. And um, he can, uh, we'll see what remains to be seen if he translates to the NFL from division two, but the 49ers seem to have confidence in him. He sat a whole year behind Jimmy Garoppolo. He's got a lot of weapons there too. Debo Samuel, Brendan Ayuk, George Kittle, Elijah Mitchell at running back. And he has that rushing upside to where even if he doesn't play that well, like keep in mind that Jalen Hurts was a consistent QB one last year for fantasy football, despite not being an incredible quarterback. Trey Lance could easily be that. And he has top five potential just because of his rushing upside. We know how many points that gives you. He's currently behind a lot of guys in this quarterback class. I mean, again, this year is pretty deep. You probably want to take quarterbacks in the late round for fantasy football, but I feel like after Trey Lance, you get a teardrop to guys like Derek Carr, who's pretty good, but then Kirk Cousins, Justin Fields, and the fact that he's ranked at like 14 shows you could get him maybe as a QB two, and he'll have a lot of upside for you. So I don't necessarily hate that ranking. Just the fact that he's that low out of that kind of tier will end up being a big value for fantasy. So target Trey Lance running backs and man, this is infuriating. Why is James Robinson so low? RB40. Yes, 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 yes. I know that James Robinson, he had the Achilles. He might miss us to start of the season. That is true. There is some stuff to worry about there for sure. And so I don't think it's locked in that James Robinson like should end up being some sort of RB2. He might start the season on the pup list. There's all sorts of things to worry about there. But here is the, are the facts. I know Achilles injuries can slow down running backs at the same sometimes. But Travis Etienne is also coming off of a season-ending injury. And he's at RB24. Why is he up at RB24? I don't know. He just had a list Frank injury as well. That's also hard to come back from. Sure, he might get the early season edge in this backfield, but there is no tie to Urban Meyer's draft capital that he spent on James Robinson. Now with the current coaching staff, it just doesn't matter. 
Travis Etienne or James Robinson, whoever's better, they'll play. It's as simple as that. So Etienne may get the better early start, but these two are pretty even. I don't know why on earth they are so far apart. James Robinson being an RB40 is absolutely silly. You should draft him there and then expect hopefully for a back-end RB2 when he returns because that is very, very possible. He just finished as a borderline top five guy just a couple of years ago. We can't forget. He is a screaming value for fantasy football right now. You know who else is? Raheem Mostert, RB42. This one's not as crazy because we know there's so many people in this backfield, but with Chase Edmonds as the RB29, we can relax, first of all, because Miles Gaskin is like nowhere to be found. He is like, okay, yeah, spe- speaking of values, Miles Gaskin's the RB55. He has a chance to take over this backfield too. He's not a bad player, but Raheem Mostert has got electric speed. I think he's going to see the field the most. If not, he'll be the most efficient guy because he's just so fast and explosive. But RB42, Chase Edmonds may take some pass catching work, but he is not built for a between the tackles role. That is for sure. They also signed Sony Michelle to do that, but I think Raheem Mostert's the best running back in this backfield, and he should not be third. 13 spots below Chase Edmonds. Raheem Mostert, RB42, that's a shot you want to take all day long. He's behind some handcuffs. You go take that. Just get Mostert for free. It's awesome. It's going to be great. Wide receivers, and I'm getting myself excited just seeing these values because I know I'll be drafting them all summer long. Why is Traylon Burks, the wide receiver 39 on Fantasy Pros, and his highest ranking is 26 out of any expert? I cannot believe that. That is insanity. Traylon Burks will almost certainly be ranked higher than wide receiver 26 for me. I can guarantee it. And it's not even a bold take. There is nobody else there for Ryan Tannehill to throw to. With Derrick Henry running the ball, sure, Traylon Burks will face some top corners, but he's a great receiver too. He was one of my favorite prospects coming out of the class, maybe even close to the top prospect at receiver. The Titans traded away A.J. Brown. They immediately drafted Burks as his replacement. He's going to be fantastic. Incredible after the catch. Great size. What a player. Why is the wide receiver one, the clear wide receiver one on his own team? Why are they ranked at wide receiver 39? Like any wide receiver one, any wide receiver one on a team should not be ranked that low. Even bad wide receiver ones on teams are not ranked that low. It is ridiculous. Guys like Darnell Mooney, Darnell Mooney is a good player, but he's ranked wide receiver 26 just because he's the wide receiver one for Chicago. I think Traylon Burks is going to be better than Darnell Mooney. Why is Traylon Burks down at wide receiver 39? It makes no fathomable sense. He is going to be an insane value. If you don't believe me, just look at the rookies, how they've done. You always get breakouts with rookies. Almost every single rookie will end up finishing, especially at the wide receiver position, either at their floor or higher with a great breakout. It seemed silly to rank Jamar Chase as a top 15 receiver come redraft time last year. He was around wide receiver 30. It sounds like revisionist history because it sounds like something that like didn't even happen because it's so crazy. But yes, Jamar Chase, I can promise. I have screenshots. He was a borderline top 30 receiver for redraft because people had concerns about his hands. And I had him as a top 15 receiver and he broke out. It's the same kind of thing with Elijah Moore, who I had as wide receiver 40. He was like in the 60s, late 50s, early 60s for Elijah Moore. And he was certainly worth that wide receiver 40 draft selection. Wide receivers at the rookie position just do that. And Traylon Burks, I can't think of a better situation. He's going to be so good. I will have him miles and miles and miles above his consensus and draft him in every single draft. I'll be incredibly disappointed if I don't get him an SFB 12. And of course, my classic pick, Who's down at the wide receiver 55 being disrespected once again? It's Kenny Galladay. Joe Judge can't call plays. That's what we found out this year. 
we found out that Daniel Jones, he dealt with, he's dealt with injuries. He's dealt with inconsistency. I still feel like he's an okay quarterback who has gotten better at decision-making and still has a good arm. But you know who can unlock him? Brian Dable, the same guy who unlocked Josh Allen. Kenny Galladay needs to be utilized more. Brian Dable will actually be a competent play caller who will get the ball in the hands of Kenny Galladay and throw it to him deep because, you know, that's where he needs it. He's a great 50-50 ball specialist. He is going to be a big play machine. I will take him at wide receiver 55 all day long. The guys ahead of him are just ridiculous. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Tyler Boyd, Devontae Parker, Jacoby Myers. Come on. There is no way. Even Kadarius Toney is seven spots ahead of Kenny Galladay. I know Kadarius Toney was pretty good last year, but Kenny Galladay has to have a rebound. He absolutely has to. With that $18 million contract, he meshes so well with Daniel Jones's deep ball arm, which is going to have to be unlocked this year for the Giants to have any sort of success. It is positive regression time for Kenny Galladay. And I don't care. I will say it till the day I die. It is of value time for Kenny Galladay at wide receiver. Tight end, it's Cole Komet. I really like this pick. And you don't really think about it that much. But the, no, I mean, you do. Bears fans have certainly thought about this. The Bears didn't draft anybody for Justin Fields other than Velas Jones Jr. And they drafted some offensive line. Fantastic. They have no one to throw to. Cole Komet is the top target outside of Darnell Mooney. He's at the tight end 13, which isn't necessarily, again, a bad rank. But at a tight end two, there's not many tight end twos that have that potential for that kind of target share. Justin Fields is going to need to throw the ball to succeed. And Cole Komet will definitely be a huge safety option. He'll probably end up finishing as a top 10 tight end on the year this year. Now, let's move on to worst fantasy values. Before I talk about these guys, I want to say I'm not trying to disrespect a lot of them. I think a lot of them are still elite players, and I think a lot of them will be fantastic for fantasy. That's why when I say that Justin Herbert is a bad value, I don't really mean it in terms of his fantasy production. I mean that because he's the QB2, that's not where you should be taking a quarterback. And I feel like that's for the case for most quarterbacks. The early round quarterback strategy usually doesn't work. You want to take late round gems like Trey Lance, guys who have upside. Don't go for the ceiling of early round QBs in the early round. It doesn't make sense. It's just too much draft capital to spend on that position when it's so much so deep and guys are available also. I mean, just look, Trey Lance is at the QB 14. You're going to be perfectly fine at that position. There are so many guys you can take. Justin Herbert, the problem is he just doesn't have enough rushing upside to justify that pick being at number two. And even if you think maybe he's barely the number two quarterback, there are so many other guys who could overtake him. Kyler Murray could have an elite season. Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, they could all overtake Justin Herbert very, very easily, as well as Josh Allen, who's ranked ahead of him. A lot of guys with that upside who will have a chance to do so. Even the guys like Deshaun Watson or even Trey Lance, they just have the upside to do so. There's no point in taking a shot on Herbert early when his ceiling is likely quarterback two. Like, why would you draft a quarterback two whose ceiling is quarterback two and his floor is like quarterback six? Like, that doesn't make sense. Let's go later, draft Trey Lance, whose floor is probably QB 18 and ceiling is probably like QB three and QB 14. That's a better investment for sure. That like makes sense logically, of course. Now let's move on to running back. And this first one might be like part of fantasy pros not adjusting their rankings. And right now at like, I guess for rookies or not fully adjusting for rookies, but Rashad Penny's at RB 33 and... I'm confused. They just drafted Kenneth Walker in the second round. Rashad Penny ran the ball well on fresh legs at the end of last year, but this is what I like to call Damian Williams syndrome. We haven't actually seen it from him other than three games at the end of the season in which he had fresh legs and defenses were worn down. They drafted Kenneth Walker for a reason. He's a great RB. Kenneth Walker will be the lead back. So I don't know why Kenneth Walker's RB 32 and Rashad Penny's RB 33. I feel like Rashad Penny needs to be bumped down a few slots. You don't want to take a shot on Rashad Penny right there, especially when there are guys like Ramondre Stevenson, Cordero Patterson, Ronald Jones, James Robinson, Raheem Mostert, who are further back and you can get. 
Michael Carter, same kind of thing. Carter just got a running back drafted ahead of him and Brees Hall. He's at the RB 36. I don't know why you would take a shot on that. Again, guys later, like James Robinson, he most, they have so much more upside. Michael Carter's probably going to end up being a backup. He ran the ball pretty well, but Brees Hall is clearly a better running back. He will get the main work. Wide receiver. And this one wasn't one I was actually thinking of putting in here, but I looked at the rankings on Fantasy Pros and saw that C.D. Lamb was the wide receiver seven. I know Amari Cooper got traded. I know. But relax. Relax with the hype. Because C.D. Lamb, sure, he's shown he can be a borderline top 15 receiver. But has he shown he can be one of the elite receivers in the league? Not yet. That's why we're not putting him above Tyreek Hill, which he currently is. Mike Evans, A.J. Brown, Keenan Allen, especially guys like A.J. Brown. I feel like C.D. Lamb should be a couple of spots lower. Yes, I love the upside of C.D. Lamb. With Mari Cooper gone, I'll have a lot of target share. But even with receivers injured last year for Dallas, he didn't put up elite production. We're going to need to see it first. You're betting at wide receiver seven. I feel like, I mean, I don't want to say it's his ceiling because I do think CD Lamb might have the top five potential in his realm. But the fact is, I just feel like that chance is so small and he's more likely to finish as like wide receiver eight or wide receiver 10. And I don't usually like to do this pick against like the second or third year talented wide receiver breakout with a huge target share. And even as I say that, it sounds stupid to do. I'm not picking against CD Lamb necessarily. I'm saying he's a little bit overrated now, but this could come back to bite me because CD Lamb is oftentimes with that type of wide receiver that I just really love to root for in terms of like his breakout. Jalen Waddle is the next guy. And this isn't, I don't think Jalen Waddle's spot is that bad either. He's at wide receiver 14 currently. I think he can finish very close to there. I just don't see how with Tyree killing this offense with an unproven two attack by Loa, all these RBs, I don't think Jalen Waddle has much potential to finish inside the top 10. The problem is he just wasn't that explosive. Mainly what he had last year was a massive target share. That's going to go down. Sure, he'll have more opportunities with defenses not covering him as much, but he's not that like explosive of a player, in my opinion. At least, like I mean, he's a good player on the line. He can catch some deep balls, but he doesn't have like game-breaking big playability like a Jamar Chase. That's why I don't feel like this Miami offense can support two top Four, 12 receivers. And I know Jalen Waddle's ranked at 14. I just don't know if he has that ceiling to really be a top 12 guy. So you're kind of drafting for ceiling there, but I don't hate the pick. I can see how people think there's a teardrop there. You got guys like Michael Pittman, DJ Moore, Amari Cooper, DK Metcalf, Terry McLaurin, Michael Thomas, guys like that. I, I just don't love the selection. I probably wouldn't end up taking him in very many drafts for tight ends. Not really any, I, I will use this time. Instead of saying a terrible value at tight end, because I don't think there are any, Either take an elite tight end or wait till the very late rounds. Middle round tight ends are a pick set on fire and they are not worth it ever because you can just get as much production on or as much chance at a great breakout from a late round tight end. You most usually instead of a middle round tight end. I do think it's a little bit deeper in there. Guys like TJ Hawkins and Dallas Goddard, Dalton Schultz, if they really drop, you can go get them. It just doesn't make sense to spend premium draft capital on a mediocre tight end. You can get one of those guys off the waiver wire. And like I said, there was a guy like Cole Komet later at 13. But you want to go after these guys early if you can as well. Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, Cal Pitts, George Kittle, Darren Waller, all good guys to maybe take early. You should take whoever of those drops far. If one of those guys is slipping, if George Kittle's slipping down drafts, go grab him. If it's Mark Andrews, sure. If it's Kyle Pitts, that's not going to happen. There's always some person in your league that's obsessed with Kyle Pitts. But if it does, you can go grab him. Darren Waller, he might slip. He could slip a little while. Sure, go get him. Whoever slips from the tight end rankings is who you should be targeting. There's not necessarily a terrible value. In fact, these my tight end rankings will probably look a heck of a lot like the ones on Fantasy Pros. Maybe a couple of swaps because I really agree with these for the most part. But that's it. 
There's plenty more best and worst fantasy values that you'll find out about throughout the summer. I'll do some bold takes. I'm going to have to do a bold take on Traylon Burks. That like Traylon Burks will be a top 24 receiver. Bold take. That's not even a bold take. Come on now. That will look. See, the problem is like now it will sound like a bold take to these weird consensus rankers. But later at the end of the season, you're like, oh, well, obviously Traylon Burks was going to be a top 24 receiver because he finished as a top 10 one. Like that's just looking back on it and just declare, like when Jamar Chase is, a th- that's what I mean. Like Jamar Chase just became a top five receiver. Now it looks stupid for me to have called in the preseason Jamar Chase being a top 15 receiver, a bold take. That's what I did because it was a bold take at the time. Now it doesn't look like a bold take. It just looks like someone being like, good receiver will be good. That's what I feel like I'm doing, but people are missing out. Rookies, rookie wide receivers can really be a simple cheat code in fantasy. Like I'll end the episode with this. And I talked about this on Twitter too, but like rookie wide receivers usually are ranked so low and just have a game breaking ceiling. Even a guy like Drake London that I don't like that much. He's at wide receiver 41. There is plenty of room for him to grow. Chris Olave, a wide receiver 50. That's a beautiful ranking right there. Christian Watson at wide receiver 60. You know how much he has as a ceiling? He's probably Aaron Rodgers wide receiver one. And he's the wide receiver 60. I don't care how good he is. He is an early second round pick who is Aaron Rodgers wide receiver one. Why is he that low? I don't know. That is going to be huge. I don't really love a guy like Garrett Wilson as much for the Jets, wide receiver 45. He's going to have some more competition. I don't feel like he has as much upside as the rest, but even a guy like him, you could justify ranking a few spots higher. Rookies, fantastic. Go get him. Jahan Dotson, wide receiver 64. Love to see it. Incredible value. Then there's guys who are free, like George Pickens, who's wide receiver like 76. David Bell, wide receiver 85. John Mechie, wide receiver 87. These are probably going to end up being waiver wire pickups midway through the season. You got to keep an eye on these guys. It's going to work. And you got to go draft and go rookies early. I mean, get them at their draft capital ADP and get some value. It's going to be fantastic. Hope you guys enjoyed. Next week, we'll be back with another episode. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time.